The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, the spooky season is upon us again, and to celebrate, we're going the full Flanagan, spending the entire month of October rapping about the supremely sinister supernatural sage, Mike Flanagan, starting today with the exceptional Dr. Sleep. I'm Riggs. I'm Eddie. And this is the Spooky Filmatics Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I like the wolf whistle, that's great. Hey folks and welcome back to the Filmatics Podcast. I'm here with my main man, Eddie. What's up, bruv? It's 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 the it's ghostly time. It's the spooky season. There's all sorts of demons and gin and nymphs flying around. Have you seen any? Not yet, but I look forward to it. My kind of people. None of those. There's no ghosts and all that business in in your campaigns. Oh, there are. It's like it's very gothic. All right. But is there Frankenstein's and fucking werewolves and 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 women who have crab for the bottom half of them and stuff? Yes. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie, Attack of the Crab Women. Um, that's exciting. That's exciting. I haven't seen any ghosts either, but I'm going to tell you they're around. There's some very haunted places um, near, near where I live uh, because it's an old timey, tiny town. Um, but uh, but how are you, sir? What's been going on? I'm doing okay. Uh, yeah? Yeah. Just a lot, of, a lot of things going on. Uh, we kind of finished the campaign that we talked about last, uh, last episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wasn't as as good as I thought, but it's a it's a test. Why wasn't it as good as you thought? Time scheduling and all that. It's hard enough doing a fucking podcast with two people, let alone goddamn campaign with a bunch of warlocks and stuff. Dude, I I'm down to do, I'm down to do D and D with anyone. I just want to do it. <laughs> that sounds real slutty. Um... Fuck it. <laughs> Well, no, I'm down to do D and D with anybody. Hey, it's Disney Plus. I haven't been around in ages. <laughs> I'm in busy making fucking shit heap TV shows. Apparently, I didn't watch. I didn't watch Secret Wars. So I don't, hang on, I got to back to Regan. I didn't watch Secret Wars, so I don't know. Um, what if it was shit on it? Well, it was. It was a fucking shit heap. Addy told me Secret Wars. Secret Wars. Se- it's not what it's called, is it? Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. Whatever. Big fucking same shit. Anyway. How are you? How, how are you doing? Oh man, I'm a flurry of emotion. I'm I'm a, I'm a McDonald's flurry of emotion. I'm I'm just I'm ice cream with Oreo bits in it. No, I'm just, it's it's been a really big week um, for work and stuff, and I'm 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 exhausted, but I'm very excited to be talking Doctor Sleep. And you wouldn't believe it. Next week, the Aster, my church, my place of peace. My spiritual home is doing a double because they do, you know, October, obviously they do a bunch of spooky movies like doing, you know, Friday the 13th, they're doing on Friday the 13th, they're doing a John Carpenter retrospective, like over the course of 12 hours where you go and watch all of his movies and shit, not all of them, but a good chunk of them. And they're doing a screamathon and all these wonderful things they're doing. They're doing a, a, a Q&A with the director and a screening of Foe, which is really cool. Um, but one of the things they're doing with Paul Moscow, one of the things they're doing next week is a double bill of The Shining, the OG, and Dr. Sleep, the director's cut that I spent 
Months and months looking for on DVD in Australia. And I found it and I got it and, and we're all good. I've watched it now. But ah, if I had waited a week, it wouldn't have mattered. But anyway, wouldn't have known any better for the for this show. Um, yeah, uh, Paul Mescal, by the way. Yes. I sent Addy. I don't know if everybody out there who knows who Paul Mescal is, but he's, um, he's Dick Grayson. Um, and I refuse. I deny any others. Um and we, like I've always been on the, saying he's a great actor he'd be you know really good in the role he would never do it because he probably wouldn't be interested in that but I think that you know he could get around the mental part of it and he's got kind of some cheekiness to him and places and whatever and I'm like and he could get into shape yes he fucking can get into shape I saw the trailer for Carmen a film that he was in and holy monkey tits he has got some abba dabbies he's got abs where there aren't abs there's not abs there it's prosthetic, it must be. But yeah, anyway, it was. I, I sent Addy a little clip of it. I'm like, yeah, this is Dick Grayson, 100%. Let's, let's, not, let's not have him as Dick Grayson when he's like working with Batman. Have him as Dick Grayson when he's Nightwing. That's, that's where he fits perfectly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you don't, you don't start him as Robin. He's like 35 years old. <laughs> he's not. Bloody don't ordinary. break my heart that much. He's not 35, please. Is he not? He looks. He, he, I thought he was a bit older than what I suspected. I'm pretty sure he's not 35. If he is, I'm fucked. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's 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 all sorts. It takes all sorts. Um, and also, this isn't the Paul Mescal podcast. It's the Filmatics podcast. So we should probably get into the Filmatic part of it. And one of the things that we like to do is talk about what have we been watching. Do you want to talk about what we've been watching? Let's do it. Wonderful. What are we watching? Is Johnny writes good theme songs. He should do it for a living, I reckon. Nah, he's too cool to write just theme songs. Fucking writing albums all the time. Anyway, enough Johnny blowing. Um, not that he's not into it. What have we been watching? Well, I, I've, I've been watching a few bits and pieces, but I want to hear what you've been watching because you probably had more opportunity than I have in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I did, but before we go into that, I want to know if you've finished Hill House. Mm. Because... If I hadn't have... Sorry, I'm just swallowing fizzy water. I don't know if you can hear the fizzy on the microphone. It'd be funny if you can. But anyway. Um, yeah, I did because I, I figured that we would have already recorded this episode. So, sorry, folks. We're a little bit late. We were going to record in, uh, like at the end of September for an October release. But I literally got too busy and, and, and had, you know, I had about enough time to sleep upside down for 20 minutes like a bat and eat a handful of grapes and then back to it. Um, so it's been a bit of a hectic one. So yeah, I was ready to go. I was like, I come and finish this. And then as soon as we get into October, I'm, I'm ready to go. So, yes, I finished Hill House. Brief, brief thoughts, brief thoughts. <sighs> it's heartbreaking and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and I love it. And um, and the whole, we'll talk about it when we do our episode, um, which is tentatively titled Full House. Or Ghostful House probably is the more apt title, but just the fact that, you know, I won't talk about it here because it'll spoil it, but the fact that they all end up being who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It all twists and turns and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, hang on a minute. And the big tall dude and the leaning down, don't move. Like, look at me. Look at me. Don't look, you know, don't look away from me. Just really, really powerful storytelling in a genre that it can be is 90% goofy. You know, horror and, and suspense horror as a genre is really, really goofy. Um, and uh, and it nails it. Fucking nails the landing. So does Dr. Sleep, though. So we'll... But we'll get into that. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So what did you? Well, I have finished that, but that was like a week or two ago. What What have you been watching? Oh, um, this is just on the top of my head because I watched it last night. I watched the four short films that Wes Anderson did for Netflix. Oh, sure. Yep. Yep. I I cried in two of them. <laughs> it's okay. it's Wes Anderson. It's it's a religious experience every time. Sure. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> he like his latest feature, which is Asteroid City, has this theme of if you watch it three times, you understand that just let stories be stories, and mm-hmm. this is this is him telling a story in his way, but it's also. Like these are short stories that are, that are written by the guy who did BFG. Big family. Old dog. Yeah, I did not know yep. the name. Sorry. All no, right. that's okay. Uh, but yeah, those those four shorts are are amazing, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's Wes Anderson pulling from everything he knows, and he ha- he has Benedict Cumberbatch in two of those, and he nails it in. Both of them. Is he the same character? No. Different oh, okay. different characters. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I rewatched Inside Out and cried like a baby again. <laughs> that's an emotional picture. It is. It's the second second most emotional Pixar picture after fucking Up. I have to see that. I, I watched it once and I was like, this is too much damage for me. I can't do it again. It's 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 a, It takes a lot, man. Like, when... when just the opening and then you know he spends his entire life lamenting that he never gave his wife the, the you know the life that she deserved and then at the end of that book it's i'm get, I think about it, i get teared up the relationship is like you, you only see it in its entirety after the fact you know like you never can you never seem to have enough time and then and then you end up like wasting the time you do have it's so beautiful i'm not crying by the way i've actually got something in my eye that's <laughs> right this, this, this is a podcast where feelings that we're feelings are normal the house with balloons. That was that was <laughs> exaggerating a crisis. Um, yeah. So, uh, what prompted the watch of Inside Out? Is it you just were in the mood to be fucking <laughs> completely emotionally destroyed, or what happened? Kind of. I. That's one of my comfort movies where I'm like, if I, if I'm feeling too much or not feeling anything, I just watch it. I I went to the theater three times in the past two weeks. Nice. What'd you see? I watched The Nun 2, which was amazing. It was, it's called The Nun. It has some religious like aspects, but it's not, it's not like fully pushed. Although the, the scares and the story is well more like fleshed out in the, in this one. Where like, even the scares are like very thoughtful. It like, it doesn't feel from like one scare you go to the other one. It, mm-hmm. it has that point, sure. But it's done, it's like it's very well made. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, right on. Um, I like it how you're telling me that the movie called The Nun is a little bit religious. <laughs> I, said, I said that. I said no shit. I said that to Leanne too, and she was like, "No shit, it is." <laughs> it would be like Krispy Kreme producing a donut and someone producing a donut producing a movie, and someone saying that movie's a little bit donut. I have donuts on the brain. I dropped a big box of donuts off to my friends at Canon today because they've been helping me out with some technical issues, and, uh, like a whole bunch. There was only two of them there. <laughs> it's normally like a like a decent sized group, like five or six people, something like that, or you know whatever's who live in the repair shop and you know helping me out doing the thing and whatever. Um, 
yeah, there's normally a few more people. But it was just two dudes. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, here's nine fucking donuts. Enjoy high cholesterol and hypoglycemia, guys. Cheers. Um, yeah, so I just had donuts on the brain. Did, did you like the nun? It's doing really well. Like it's in, in the US box office, it's been in the top five since it opened. Whenever it was, it was like, you know, a month ago or something. And it's it's just breaking records every turn. Yeah, I, I really did like it. It's It's one of the better like Conjuring Universe films. It's part of that, is it? Yeah, because um, oh, okay. the nun like first appears in the second uh, Conjuring film. Mm-hmm. And then from that, they had a spin-off with the nun first one. And then, is that, Was that spin-off like a prequel? Yeah, so that, that's in like Romania. Why didn't they call it Nun Begins? <laughs> <laughs> that's funny to me. That sounds funny to me. Nun Begins. <laughs> the Dark Nun. The Dark Nun Rises. <laughs> How has no one made that joke yet? I, 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 that's it. Watermark it. Watermark that joke. People steal my jokes. I'm telling you that much. I was on a podcast with, with Tommy from Podcast Assemble. And I made a gag about me and him and Dre, who's the other guy in his uh, DL, the other guy on, on the Podcast Assemble podcast, is an American. So it was an American, a POM... And an Australian, all in you know, all in a point. I said, you know, an American, uh, sorry, a, a Yank upon and an Aussie walk into a podcast and made a joke about. It. And then he made the same joke on another podcast, and I test him like, dude, I expect a check in the mail. And if you're listening right now, Tommy, that check hasn't come. I want fifty p per sentence. You should understand that. Or tuppence. Anyway, <laughs> love you, Tommy. Appreciate your time, buddy. You can you can take all my jokes. It's totally cool. Um, yeah. So the nun. Uh, the Nun. Batman. No, not Batman. <laughs> <laughs> it's like weird word association. Nun. Batman. Uh, hey. <laughs> you ever play word association and it just gets away from you? Like you just start saying the most random. Nun. Batman. Well, I always end up at like salty dicks. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're going to end up somewhere, it's not a bad place to be. Yep. Probably be best if they weren't salty, but depends on what you're into. Maybe you like Lay's chips. Um... What was the second thing you watched? I'm so sorry. It's just it's 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 been a day. Um, I watched uh, Gran Turismo next. Gran Turismo. It's the day. Oh, the, the yeah, it's the, the racing with, movie. with David Arbor. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry, I was thinking Gran Torino with um with the uh, Clint Eastwood when he plays that racist dude, who's the hero. It's weird. It's not like based on the video game, is it? It's it's a story about a guy who was so good at the video game, he then went down to become a professional racer. Yes, sir. A professional driver, not a professional racer. He's not a fucking cartoon. Uh, it, and and is it good or? It's good. It's getting a lot of fucking shit because it's another biopic. I think this one, he has the beats of like another biopic, and you know, there's a girl and he has to get the girl and all that shit. It's also very well made, like. The racing sequences are incredible. Like, and I watched it in fucking IMAX and I was the only one there because it was like a 11 a.m. show. Mm. I was the only one there and like it opens up and it's just all you see is just fucking speed going on. You can't see speed. What the fuck? Yes, you can. Speed could be represented in visually. They do it all the time. Anime does that way. <laughs> yeah, anime does it particularly well. Um, speed Racer is a perfect example of it. The so why what's wrong with it being a biopic? Why don't we like biopics all of a sudden? I I don't know. It's the same crowd that says that uh, 
Ray is not a good character because she's a Mary Sue, but it's also like she's one of the oh, best. No. Yeah, you see, you yeah. see where I'm going. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I totally get what you're saying. What's the name of the guy? He's like a second generation director. No, second generation writer, but his dad's a famous director. What movie has he done? Landis, Max Landis. He's the one who coined that term, Mary Sue. I think anyway, and not a very nice person by all reports. Fuck that dude. Did you enjoy it though? I did. I enjoyed it quite a lot. And I need David Harbour to be in every single movie ever made. Yeah, well, that's a good. I think we've mentioned that before. I mean, he should just be in all the films. Yep. You know, he should just. They should remake Jaws and, and, and cast him as the boat. Oh, the shark. Um, the shark would be good because, you know, he'll be naked no. and shit. <laughs> what? Why has he got clothes on if he's a boat? <laughs> if you're a human being cast as a boat. Why are you wearing clothes as opposed to if you're a human being cast as a shark and you're nude? Help me out, brother. If, if anything, you would if you're a boat, you would be completely nude, but you'd have like dinghies attached to you or an anchor or those things that you throw in the water and someone keeps it. Lifeboats, life vests, those kind of things. But you'd still be mostly nude. Yeah, but see, the, the thing with the shark is that you can see it like fully. Yes, it's not obstruct, obscured by barnacles or, or whatever the hell, rope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever's going on on a nude person boat. I feel like this episode's gone a bit weird. <laughs> in season two. We're 20 minutes in with season two. It's, it's totally good. Um, 20 minutes in and it's already gone to, <laughs> if you're a boat person, if you were cast as a boat or a shark, would you be nude or not? Anyway, that's why you're here, folks. I hope you're enjoying it. What was the third thing you saw, my friend? Um, I watched The Creator. Ah, yes. A John David Washington picture uh, directed by Gareth Edwards, correct? I don't know how to feel about that one. Because as a as a film, it's it's really well made. Um, there's a lot going on. Uh, they're, they're, they're concepts that I really love. There's, a, there's an emotional story there, which is emotionally moving. But... It's also marketed as like a, as an original idea, but it's based on, it's based on Descenders, which is a book by a person that I, I can't remember the name of. Uh, it is, the, the similarities in that is strikingly obvious, yet nobody's talking about it. Like literally, I've seen reports of it show up and then disappear. Mm. So I don't know what's happening there. I've it, it's a really well made movie. I really hope. I, I I don't fucking know. Like I was, and I knew this fact while watching it. So I was like, do I like this because it's Gareth Edwards, or do I like this because it's Gareth Edwards copying somebody? I mean, you could. Uh, that's an argument for Rogue One as well. True, <laughs> but 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 Rogue One had like we all knew about it. True. Also, Rogue One is. I will, I will die on that hill. The Rogue One is the best hours movie ever made. Because nobody fucking survives. A whole bunch of people's heads just exploded. What is he talking about? Hey, man. <laughs> Boom. I might, I might say something in this podcast while discussing Doctor Sleep that might just kill all the Star Wars fans. The, oh, okay. I was, was going to say Star Wars fans. It was, um, I thought you were going to say it's better than The Shining, in which case, you know. It is. What the fuck are you talking about? I, I, I don't not agree but for different reasons i i think they're they're we'll get into it we'll talk about yeah it. um cool but you enjoyed it though like it was a good picture or you... yeah yeah 
I like as as a film itself, it's it's amazing. And it's also I don't know, it's like forty million dollars for that. Yeah, I, actually, I saw a thing. Um, the uh, Greg Fraser, the DOP of the Batman and Dune and stuff, um, he shared a post the other day uh, from I think from the D- DOP of like the cinematographer from the creator, and his lighting crew was like four people. I think Greg Fraser is the DOP for creator. Is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's, because... that makes sense. Why he shared it then? <laughs> yeah, because Greg Fraser and Hans Zimmer both uh, come together to uh, in this film as well. And the score is right. and, the score is fantastic, by the way. Greg, Greg, sorry, Greg Fraser was the DOP on Rogue One as well, so that makes perfect sense. Oh yeah, makes perfect sense why it's the best Star Wars movie. Sorry. Oh, no more. Second, second, second to only second to only the Last Jedi. All right, everyone's gone now. <laughs> what? Hey, wait. Where's, where's our entire fan base gone? Oh, that's right. You said fucking the Last Jedi was the best Star Wars movie. Nah, it's totally fine. It's like we were talking about with um with uh, Kike and Juan the other day. Like, if you like those, then that's your Star Wars. If you like the other ones, that's your Star Wars. You know, it's like you don't need to. Just, yeah, dying on a hill is ridiculous. There's no, there's no point in doing that at all. Um, yeah, it's it's what a, what a, an enormous waste of energy to battle about something so trivial, even if you care about yeah, it. Yeah, the creator has a budget of eighty million US dollars. I've got that in my wallet. <laughs> it's a big wallet. Because you're Disney it's like Plus. Big, you're Disney it's like a canoe, but it's filled with cash. <laughs> Who's playing the canoe? <laughs> Me. I'm going. <laughs> oh no, that's that's a gondola. I'm a gondola filled with cash. That that guy, you know. <laughs> Anybody been to Venice? Never mind. My wife would get it. Anyway, can I tell you what I, I, I did see? Yes, please. My niece, Eva, is mad into the Lost Boys at the moment. She digs it so much. She's going as one of the Frog Brothers for, um, which is one of the two kids in the that film who were vampire hunters, uh, for Halloween. Um, and I got it on the 4K because it's got all this behind-the-scenes stuff so that she could watch it. But my fiance Emily, hadn't seen it. So um, she's like, oh, I love, fucking, what's that? Keith Sutherland is young Keith Sutherland. I fucking love Keith Sutherland, she says. She even likes his music. And um, so, yeah, we watched it. And fuck, it's so good, man. Like, it's just such a, it's such an anti, it's an anti, like, vampire movie in a way. Because it's kind of, it's more about the time period than it is about vampires. Like, it's 80s as fuck. You know, there's a musical performance by a, a greased-up, bare-chested dude playing the saxophone shout, and I still believe all the vampire effects are really great. Joel Schumacher is a hell of a director. Like, he was really, you know, a, a great storyteller visually. Um, you know, the Corys are great. It was just, it was a really fun rewatch, and I, I'd been meaning to go back to it for a long time, and then getting the 4K was like, yeah, this... And the remaster was... Stunning, like really. Sometimes they just kind of punt them out, like yeah, idiots will buy this UHD. Who cares? And then sometimes they really take a lot of care to remaster them. So um, yeah, I really dug that, and uh, and Emily did too, mostly because of Kiefer Sutherland's mullet. <laughs> so that's what we were watching, everyone. And now, before we get into the meat and potatoes, I would like—I don't know why I said it like that—meat and French fried potatoes. Uh, we would like to talk to you about the nerd news. Do you want to do the nerd news? 
Let's do the nerd news. So, this dude. Fucking hell. I can't even. My brain can't. My mouth can't keep up with my brain sometimes, and I just make noises. Anyway, here we go. This one's for you, Addy. The X-Men MCU reboot has officially begun search for its writers. It is reported by Marvel to Deadline um, that uh, the, the film will focus on the X-Men as a whole rather than individual standout films. Writer meetings are set to begin this fall, which is um, the American spring, uh, autumn rather. Um, so yeah, that's what's up. Are you excited? Are you ready? Ready for some mutants to come back and be, be all different? Always, always ready for my mutants. Always. I want Ryan Coogler to write it though. I don't, I don't know. That's not going to happen, but I really want it to be. Why him in particular? Because he did such a great job with the Black Panther movies. I think he will. Yeah. I think he will fucking get like the, the MCU's like main world is like there has to be a reason why the mutants are hated because I don't I don't fucking think that you can have that you can put the mutants in and ignore the struggle because that's what makes the X-Men right yeah yep. and I think Ryan Coogler just might fucking get it because of how well he did Namor yeah he he certainly dipped his toe in the water first everybody else is kind of will be catching up to him as far as mutant stuff's concerned yeah he would be a good choice to write it um, we should should theologize who not theologize. We should theorize, pontificate, but theorize. Thank you, not theologize. That's like a religious thing. We should theorize who would direct it. Um, someone who's good with ensembles. But anyway, we'll we'll, we'll do that another Ryan time. Ryan Johnson. I'm excited. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. There you go. That's that. That would be totally fine. Um, he'd be awesome. Actually, <laughs> he'd be really good. Christopher Nolan. Do you know who he is? Oh, yeah. Yeah? yeah. He, he made a couple of little films, little short pictures people seem to enjoy. One of them is about a bomb. Um, and then three of them are just about like this this living flying bat person that I fucking hate. Yeah, he's a dick. And he's, he's oh, what a crybaby. You can't win the war on crime by punching poor people in the neck. Um, anyway... <laughs> Batman sucks balls. No, he doesn't. He's awesome. Um, Christopher Nolan is rumoured to be in talks to direct the next James Bond picture. Now, this is unbelievable horseshit. There's no fucking way after Oppenheimer he does that. But I like the idea of it. I think that it's very cool. So, here's my take on this, right? Because they said... Because, like, in some cases, it's reported that it's a contract of, like, six films. I think if he does come on with with the next Bond, right? He might make the first one and then take the producer's chair for like the next whatever. I think that's the way to go if he does want to get involved in that. Yeah. But I think if you fuck up like like the whole, like the the M, uh, the Q and Moneypenny that, that, that were established in like the, in the canon that is now, right? With Daniel Craig's Bond. I think you keep those those characters and those actors and have a new bond. Like a, a, a different 
representation of Bond, not just a different actor playing them, you mean? Yep. Preferably not, yeah. not a white male. Preferably not. I always thought, yeah, good luck with that. I always thought that um, that was the case anyway. I thought it was a roving title. Like, I, I didn't realize that when I, when I wasn't into them, you know, when I was younger, um, and I'd only seen, you know, Goldeneye because that was the big one that came out when I was a teenager. Um, I thought that was what it was. I thought the double the 007 designation was handed down to the next person and James Bond was a... Alias. Was a fucking... Was an alias, yeah. And it was just going to be different dudes all the time. Suspiciously all white men dudes. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's what's up. Although they're like... They do start that off with like the 007 being the title and not like being like in no time today you start off with there's a new 007 who's a who's a female yeah it's um i can't remember the name of the actress she's the one who plays plays maria hill yeah maria hill maria hill no monica rambo monica yeah fuck yeah getting all mixed up there mate that's all right a lot of marvel shit going on you can't can't give it straight um she was really good in um uh the woman king anyway uh yeah it's i mean time will tell on that it looks like they want to do a reboot where nolan's talked about wanting to you know redo some of the other books and stuff like that i just feel like it's an interesting like he's almost perfect for it even in a way that you know sam mendes wasn't as a prestige director like nolan's got the chops i mean tenant was kind of a bond picture just had fucking time travel and shit in it um but it had the flair and the flavor of it um uh it, absolutely um inception is, is is a bond movie but it's you know it's a heist movie about dreams but there's some bond flavor to it as well so i think he'd be good but i don't want it to sideline him from doing other shit like sure, oppenheimer yeah. was so great he literally has the keys to the kingdom now it's it's what um uh, uh, uh griffin newman's podcast is called blank check um and and uh it's basically about directors who who do a picture that's so great they just get you know, everyone says yes <laughs> after that. Um, and it would be interesting to see what that would be for him um, as opposed to, you know, just another franchise thing. Um, and finally, for me, I know you've got 180, but uh, just wanted to, to shout out the writer's strike has officially ended, um, which is fantastic. It's the 2nd of October now, but it was a few days ago. Um, WGA is um, has officially announced the writer's strike is over after 148 days. Um, the deal with the studios uh, has been approved. Um, just just briefly, uh, there's protection against AI being used on source material. Um, and it's uh, studios are required to disclose whether or not they are giving writers AI-generated material before the writing process. So if, you know, I'm assuming if a, um, they, there's a pre, like is a draft already done or if it's... Um, just as you know some storyboards or if it's a, a um, outline or a treatment i uh, know to be told that there's going to address the issue with um streaming residuals um there's negotiations going on for that um uh the deal also requires the studios to be upfront about their viewing numbers of shows um, which has historically been kept under wraps by places like netflix um and uh, there's also a six-person minimum for a writer's room um, adding a person every two episodes until the maximum reach of 10, uh, just so that, you know, there's dele- delegation to work so that one person, two people, three people aren't doing all the labor for, you know, um, a, a fraction of what the cost should be spread out over a bunch of people. Um, yeah, vote ratify. Um, this will take place between October 2nd and October 9th. So congratulations to everybody who stood their ground and, and um, you know, 
got at least in part what they were looking for. Um, you can't do anything without the people who start with a blank page and, and create out of fucking thin air. And it is, it is uh, a, like objectively horrifying to think that you could do it with a computer or that you could do anything without them. So well done to the, the Writers Guild. And that, that's not just America as well. There's a lot of people who part of the, that, that Writers Guild who are international people as well. Um, so, yeah, way to go. Absolutely. What was your story? Um, so, yeah, this is very niche. Most people won't know about this, but uh, Critical Role is going on their, the New York Comic Con. That, that's going to be, I think, in November, so next month. And there's there are rumors that, that we might get a release date for Vox Machina Season 3 and The Mighty Nine Season 1 premiering somewhere uh, next year. That's awesome. That, now it's good for your D&D folks out there. You know, you know what's up. Yeah, because Mighty Nine was like Campaign 2, which after the success of the first season of Vox Machina, they, they like Amazon greenlit... Um, the first season for the Mighty Nine as well. Okay. So yeah, just bunch of amazing shit because it's all it's all creator based. It's all like in favor of the creators there, and like sure. they make it, they voice it, they make it how how they want it to be. It's they all win. The second is James Cameron is comparing himself with Peter Jackson and Tolkien because of his uh, uh, because of the Avatar movies that he's. Oh, shut up! Come on. <laughs> Because of, because come of, on yeah. now, come on now, mate. Like I understand comparing yourself to Peter Jackson, not not because of Lord of the Rings, but just because you're both directors, very successful directors who work in genre. Like you're not that successful because of Avatar. You're successful because you did The Terminator and Aliens and True Lies and then Avatar, like Terminator Two. You know, like you're not. It's not. That's not all of it, mate. You've done two. Like fucking relax. <laughs> Give me six more and then we'll see where we're at. Comparing yourself to Tolkien's pretty ridiculous too. Like, Yeah. There's also like a very... It's it's an ever-growing faction of people who mistake Tolkien's like writing as like in reference to the Bible because he was just Catholic. Like that's their argument that because he was Catholic, everything that he's done is is like uh, something or like a commentary on religion. Yeah. Well, we had that. We were talking about that and how it's like if you if you see that in like if you're looking for that, you're going to find it there. You know, um, there's there's allegory everywhere. Like if if that's the case, then there's there's an awful lot of like allegorical material in that for you know mindfulness and, and spirituality that uh, extend beyond organized religion too. Look at the elves for crying out loud. They're all half meditating most of the time. True, but also. If that's the only thing you talk about out of those movies, you've missed the point. Yeah, there's a lot more going on than just that. You know, forces are good and evil. It's also like, I'm sorry, <laughs> as far as I understand, I don't think that there's a a version of, of Catholicism or Christianity that talks about reincarnation, is there? I, I don't know. That's that's more would be more like Hinduism or Buddhism or something like that, you know. Like it's it's the 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 idea of Gandalf the Grey passing on and him coming back as Gandalf the White, and he's like, that's what they called me. Like he's got a vague memory, like he's lived thousands of years in between these two points before he came back, and you know, like that's 
I don't know. Yeah, anyway, you can correct me in the comments yeah, if I that, sound stupid. That's the comparison to the second coming of Christ for some reason. Yep. Well, he's, Christ, he came big. <laughs> that's it. We did it. Came big the first time. We did it. We're finished. That is the end of the show forever. Good night. <laughs> 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 we do Jesus' orgasm joke. You really test your audience. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I'll keep that in. We'll see how I feel during Fuck, the no, it's in my head. No, it's just... Oh, no. Boom. That was the big bang. Yeah. Um. Anyway, good on you, James. Whatever you reckon, mate. Just as long as you keep making movies and having a good time, treat yourself. Um. We're going to move on to out of his... Literally, I can only say top of his head. There he is. You said that was the big bang. Yeah, that was the big bang. It was just... It was just our Lord and Saviour copping a beat. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, dear. you got to knock out that easy one before you create the universe, all right? That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's just as plausible an idea as any other I've ever heard. Um, geez, we're getting into race and religion this episode. We're really, really pushing the back. It's supposed to be about Dr. Sleep, for crying out loud. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So we're talking about Dr. Sleep. From 2019, my experience with this was was thus. I had fucking no interest in seeing this. Not even a little bit. I like The Shining. I like it quite a bit. Kubrick's a master. Jack Nicholson's great in that. Like, it's a really good... And it's a good book, too, you know, by all reports. I haven't read it myself, but, you know, I haven't, I haven't met anyone who's read it who didn't like it. Um, but I thought... It just didn't interest me. I'm like, why are they doing that? And I tried to read it as well. And I was like, this sounds, this is not for me. I don't know who any of these people are. I don't know what's going on. So I kind of gave up on it. And then I listened to the Script Apart podcast. And they interviewed um, Mike Flanagan about it. And he'd been on the show previously to talk about... um, Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass, yeah. And they got him back to talk about Doctor Sleep because it was like universally disliked until it's kind of got a cult following post its release um it just came out at a bad time i guess and and people didn't dig on it and they didn't want to put out his three-hour director's cut which is the superior film and so i i listened to that podcast i'm like all right i'll give it a go let's have a chat let's see what we're gonna do and uh i watched it and i fucking loved it and i think it speaks to me more now i understand its themes a little bit better as you know considering my, my, my history and everything and and i feel like i feel like it came along at just the right time for me and and it's it's so it's so lush there's so much going on you know it's a real and and i love the idea that he he said to himself okay if i'm going to do this i'm going to find a way to blend the the kubrick aesthetic and 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 that kind of vibe and so it feels like a, a spiritual sequel to the film but it's more of a sequel to the book. But also I'm going to do my own thing. Like one of the best scenes in the whole picture is where um, Dan confronts his dad and his dad is now the barman at the, at the overlook. That scene wasn't in this, in the book at all. He created that. And also the last scene, the last um, whole end of that picture, the third act doesn't take place at the, at the overlook. The overlook has been destroyed and it's just a field. So it was like, it really took some swings and, and, and um, yeah, I was, I was hooked from a second. What was, what's your experience with it? Like, when did you, did you see it when it came out or was it a, after, after the fact thing? Uh, I did watch it when it came out and I, 
I liked it. But it was also in an empty theater. So I knew that I wasn't going to do well anyway. It was also it was also the year where, you know, Star Wars Episode Nine came out. Endgame came out. It's hard in, in the marketplace now even more than it was then. But even then it was difficult if, if you're... Because he went in. That's the thing that's crazy. Like he went in to have a meeting with Warner Brothers about a DC, DC property. Yeah. He, tried to, he tried to pitch them Clayface. He's like, I'm going to do a horror Clayface with a little fucking blow you sideways and they were like nah thanks and uh he said i'm working the producer was like i'm working on dr sleep and he's like i've got a pitch for that and he'd read the akiva goldsmith script and thought it's the wrong angle and then he he went to work on it and he sat there and had the film on loop and had the book out and you know what i mean it was like he did the work that's what i really appreciate about him you know i've said it before mike flanagan's my favorite like genre director like he does he does horror in like in a way that doesn't feel like horror. Like, you could argue that this is more of a psychological thriller than anything. It's not horror. 100%. 100%. No, there's, there is so... There is more horror, horror elements to The Shining, and The Shining doesn't have any child murder in it at all. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to spoil it, by the way. If you haven't seen Dr. Sleep, yeah. don't listen to this. Spoilers. After no. it. Yeah. We, we haven't spoiled it till now, but we're going to spoil it now. The little kid from Room gets cut up. He gets the shit. What's his name again? Fars uh, my part. Uh, his name is Flem Nong. He's something something specific. I have I have the the list. Cody Smith. Is that it? Bill Day. No, <laughs> I'm just throwing out names. Aloysius uh, yeah. McLumpher. Jacob Trem Tremblay. Jacob Tremblay. Yeah. Ja- Jacob Tremblay. Jacob Tremblay. Because I knew his first, I yes. knew his first name was Jacob, but I didn't know his last yeah. name. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. There's a scene where they because the the the, be- the best. Basically, you know, the, the steam that they steal from these people, it's better if it's younger. Is that right? Yep. It's like, this is not a kid's film, by the way. Do not, do not no. make your teenagers watch this. Do not. It is inappropriate. It is very much so. Fuck, man. Like the opening where he like he wakes up and he sees the when he sees the kid. Absolutely brutal. Yeah. Like waking up in, in you know. And look, let's just put it on front street. I, I, I'm a recovering alcoholic. Every, everybody who knows me knows that about me. Um, and and you know, most most people probably know on the internet as well because I've talked about it on podcasts. I've talked about it on shows. It's 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 not a big deal. I don't mind. Oh, thanks. It, it, I don't mind talking about it at all. Um, you know, it, it, it's and, and I'm also not like I don't have. A, I'm not doing a victory lap either. Like I'm not running around with a big belt going. Oh, I got so like it's just I had a problem and I I had to curb that problem. Some people can handle alcohol really well and they can put it up and they can pick it up and put it down no problems, um, and that's great. You know, there's not a problem with that at all. But it that I I've never been that kind of alcoholic. Like that was that's very specific. He is in the extreme, um, in the sense that waking up on the side of the road, you know, just like with a with a bottle of something in your hand or waking up in some strange woman's apartment after you know having this violent encounter the night before and she's covered in her own vomit and she's got a child in the next room in the screenplay one of the lines that isn't in the film because i read the script is um you know oh i hope you're a kid from down down the hall and then he discovers that it's actually that woman's way and he just kind of leaves it sitting on the bed and and he takes her money and then Dick Halloran appears and he's like, you don't need to do that. And he's like, she took mine probably to buy the Coke. Like, it's all that that ridiculous... Robin Williams put it best. This is this is the, the, the way to describe a um, uh, an alcoholic. Oh, poor me. 
poor me, poor me. Another drink? Like that's <laughs> that's sort of the the idea of it. It's always someone else's fault. Um, and Dan plays that really well until he gets into the situation that he does later, where he does end up getting sober. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a real extreme version of of, of the illness that is alcoholism. I like I had forgotten that part of it. Like I've forgotten up until like he kind of connects with Abra, and like because most of it is an hour in a th- in like a, even even if you watch like the theatrical cut, which is what two hours thirty. Yeah, it's yeah, it's two and two and change. Yeah. Yeah, and like even like that part until he like gets sober and works at the hospice is what like fifty minutes. At least, yeah. But that's what I like about it. It's why he works so well in um, in TV because he long-form storytelling is best because he does what King does. He draws you in by writing these really rich characters who you give a shit about. Like, how fucking amazing is it that you kind of want Rosa Hat to win in this movie? It is. It's also insane that, like, Dan, our protagonist, and Rosa Hat, our antagonist, don't meet. Until thirty minutes, like until the film has like thirty minutes to go for. But they're con- and and then you've got Abra as well, who's like she's she's also kind of the like the scene where um uh she's in the car and Dan takes over her body and that act that wonderful actress just shifts tone completely. Yeah, so impressive. But as far as the character's concerned, like she's also she has a lot more time with Rose. Um, shout out to. Rebecca Ferguson too. My God, what, what, just what an absolute. It's it's shining light in Hollywood right now. That woman is what a, a remarkable actress and 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 so beautiful and so talented and and like nailed this role. Like how difficult is this role? Because she's got to be a villain, but she also has to be sympathetic. All of them do. All of the um. The true not. The true not have to be. Likeable. Like when that old man finally does die, um, you know, and she's t- she's talking to him about all the things that he's seen in his life, you know, these seen the, the, the Roman gladiators and all that stuff. Like, imagine living a life that long only to have it end, you know, because they've got the same problem that Dan has. They ca- there's never enough. That's the thing about being an addict. It, the, the the next hit is never big enough. You're always chasing that original high. And they've been chasing that high for thousands of years. It's really sad. Um, and where she feels the death of, of, of her partner. Um, yeah, in- incredible to have your villain be that layered. Especially in the current thing of like, it's all heroes and villains. That's oh, all yeah. you've ever seen now. We're, we're like fully, like the information's all there and it's all given to us. Like all of it. There's, there's not a single part of the true note that you don't understand. And we spent so much time with it, with like, with like them recruiting Andy, and also like them using her, right? And like the whole like, yeah, the 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 child the child murder scene was. I remember that watching. It's it. really hard. Like it's it, it it's hearing this child beg for their life, um, while being covered in blood and having a bunch of vampiric people stand around them and 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 breathe their life in you know it's it's yeah it's re- that's where you realize that the bad people are the bad people and it's okay that they're the bad people yeah because i remember that oh i remember watching that and then blocking it out until i watched it again i was like oh no it's i, I didn't remember it 
on on this rewatch either. And um, yeah, it, it, it really shakes you, and you get more lead up to it as well. Like you see him being like, um, uh, what's the, what's the crow? Is it not crow? What's what's um, Rose's partner's name? Crow. Yeah. It is crow. It's yeah. crow. It's crow. You see him in the stands of the of the baseball game watching the kid. And you know he, they go, he's special, and blah, blah, blah. he goes, ah, he's one, because basically they're after people who have shiny, who can shine, and that's sort of this. This is rock bottom, and and anybody out there who's ever gotten over, like had an addiction, and and managed to get out of it. Normally, the thing that gets you is you hit rock bottom, and you're like, I need to fucking sort myself out because this isn't a way to live. Um, and and that is that moment where Dan wakes up, and he he is in that room with that woman. And he remembers the night that he's had. And he later goes on to say when he is taken to AA by the person he meets um, in that small town. He says, Beat, like, my, my dad was an alcoholic and the only way he hurt me one time, you know, which is actually, you don't see this happen in The Shining, but it's a conversation yeah, they're having in the car on the drive to the Overlook. Yeah, yeah it's, it's reference that he, he broke his arm. Um, and he said the only way I could feel close to him was to be violent. And to be drunk because he wasn't like that when he wasn't like drunk. I don't relate to that very much. I was never a violent drunk at all. All, all of that stuff turned inward. Judgment, like self-judgment and guilt and all that shit. And that was all turned on the inside. It never was, you know, to other people. They just had to deal with the fact that I was, you know, in bad shape a lot of the time. Um, which isn't an excuse. Like, it's, it's not better or worse. I'm just saying I don't relate to that violent stuff. Like, I would never go to a bar and start a fight. Um, you know, it wasn't that type of thing, but to relate to, to him, he had to be that, um, because it was the only way that he could, he could deal with it. Um, especially after the passing of his, of his mum. And then he says that, I know that I'm standing here knowing that my dad also stood here wanting to be in my place. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Is I, that, that's where he's, that's where he's been so yeah, for like five years or something, yeah, that's, isn't it? Yeah. That's when he's been, I think it's eight years. And then, yes, eight. You're right. Yeah. And then he starts working at the hospice, and that's another ten years yep. from meeting Abra. Because she's, you see her as a young girl at the start, and she's like the guys that the, the uh, it's at her birthday party, and there's a magician there, and he's like making the spoon hang, and she's like, oh, I can do that. And then after the party, all the spoons are stuck on the ceiling, like, and it's so fucking good, man. And in the director's cut, where the piano's playing itself, and she's oh, dreaming, it. yeah. See, this is this yeah. is this is why I never have instruments like that in your house. What haunted fucking pianos? Just, just just like don't have don't have like a piano or, or a guitar in your house, like open. Because if it starts strumming while you're asleep, you don't know what you'll do. Either that or it's the final final musical number in Beetlejuice and it's awesome. <laughs> If 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 that happens, then yeah. You... If Beetlejuice turns up, not right. But if it's if it's you know uh, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin as ghosts, that's pretty fun. Um, speaking of ghosts, there's a really cool like the the scene uh, that that Dick has with with young Dan because um, you do see a bit more of Dan as as a young boy, and he's terrorized by these ghosts from the Outlook, especially the woman in the bathtub, and um, the. Uh, the conversation he has where he's like, what, sorry? No, I just said I love that. I love that scene so much. It's it's so great. And and when he teaches him, like, you have the power to control them. You take, you build, I want you to know this box and, and, and understand that you're going to build a bunch of these in your head and you're going to trap these ghosts. And he goes into the bathroom. He's like, I'm going to go pee. And he opens the door and the woman's there and he just shuts the door. And then you hear her scream. 
Um, and then later on, he tries to do it with memories. He likes, he tries to box up the memory of waking up with this woman who's covered in vomit and the kid there. And he's like, you can't do it, son. You know, you can't do it. What's, what's his nickname for him? Uh, Doc. Calls him Doc. Doc. Yeah, you can't do it, Doc. And and I, I feel like as well, like talking about acting, you know, um, Rebecca Ferguson's so great in it. Um, all the cast of The True Knot are great. Um, uh, Snakebite um, Annie is 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 playing much younger than she is, I think. She's about fucking 45 years old. She's playing 15. No, that's not true. She'd be in her 20s though, probably. Um, but her story is really interesting. Like she, she starts using her powers to kind of, um, hard candy people you know to like catfish people um which is great like you totally understand the the, the, the motivation the, the thought behind yeah. it yeah the motivations are really clear it's like i have these abilities clearly something's happened to me in the past i'm gonna now enact revenge you know i'm gonna take i'm gonna be vengeful spirit you know for, for all the young girls who who can't who can't be voices for themselves um and rose sees that and rose is just really you know uh, Rebecca Ferguson is just such a great, great performance, and and um, is really the head of this family. And all she's trying to do is keep her family alive. It just means they've got to do some nasty shit. Ewan McGregor is a, a really good actor. Yes. Um, and and he's been in a lot of stuff that I haven't seen. Um, but everything I've seen him in is he's Ewan McGregor, but he's they're so varied. It's like. Star Wars and Moulin Rouge and Train Spotting and you know the Ghost Rider. This he's never like he's never sort of contented to like oh fucking he's so great as Black Mask in 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 um in, Birds of Prey yeah just fantastic you know he's so and he doesn't need to to do this, like anything really I mean he could he could live off probably Star Wars money for the rest of his life but he takes on jobs that he is interested in and this obviously interested him I think having Mike Flanagan as a writer director combo would have probably enticed him as like you know I'm interested to see what this this fella does um yeah what what a what a really beautiful layered performance he's also sober as well um uh Ewan McGregor's been sober was sober for eight years when they were making the film so he'd been sober since like 2010 or something um and and you know and Mike Flanagan famously got sober during the making of it too, um, and you, I think that's what it is. It's it, it, in in the way that The Shining is a film about addiction and 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 you know the the demons winning. This movie is about fighting the demons, and and they might be literal demons that take the form of of psychic vampires or, or vampires who take steam out of you or that your life essence, your soul. Um, or it could be the bottle, you know, it all is, is the same thing. Um, and I don't feel like you have to have a history with, with addiction or, or to get to have it in yourself or have had it in a family member or whatever to, to have this film speak to you. Like the themes are strong enough that that doesn't matter. Absolutely. Man. It's, uh, the more, the more you think about it and the more, like, the more it just speaks to you, like it's, it's not just about, like, it's also about like anyone anyone who suffers from anything can relate to fighting demons either in your head or like actual demons in, yeah. in, in whatever form right and it's i don't i don't know how you how like something this good can can also like not not be talked about so much yeah it it, it got gobbled up in in the um 
the, the the sudden shift that was happening in in media that where it went you know really quickly it was like Martin Scorsese said that these movies are roller coasters and then everything went on its head you know yep. I'm not saying that that was the catalyst just saying that that was kind of that's the in and out point of of when things started to really change because Same. people would either lean hard one way or lean hard the other way and there's no room for middle ground like this is a genre piece of um uh, cinema that's based on a pre existing text that's a sequel. It should, it's got all the pieces. It should have worked. But I just think that there was no hunger for the IP. Like, he was even talking about it on the Script Apart pod, 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 script, and then there, and then there. Script Apart podcast. He was talking about if that if it had worked, there would have been like an Abra series and, you know, so a, a, a true not, to true not prequel series. thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, that would have been amazing. You know, so much interesting shit could have been mined from that. And, and I think. Um, that's kind of what they're trying to do now with him. He's like, you know, he's had, he made Hill House and that, you know, on the success of that, he kind of got these meetings and ended up doing that. Like, okay, well, and they wanted to do Blythe Manor. And so he went and did that. And then Midnight Mass, he, he did. And now House of, Fall of the House of Usher. Like he does have, the same way we we're talking about Nolan before, he does kind of have a blank check at the moment. I think he's, the, on the strength of this movie, like the the quality of it, not necessarily the box office of it, but the quality of it is is what got him all this other stuff. Yeah, and now he's in. Now he's on to uh, Amazon Prime and working on the Dark Tower series. Yeah, yeah, and and th- that movie was a misstep. I'm told. Like I don't understand that. I know that they're all kind of. It's kind of the. Um, uh, the center point, the chrysalis of, of of all of Stephen King's stuff is kind of like that's the the the, the where it all kind of intersects. Yeah, like the understand. Avengers thing. Yeah, sort of like that, but with fucking ghosts and goblins yeah, and stuff. Like um, kids from the id and like Abra coming in and all that. I'm just yeah, speculating. Exactly. I, haven't, I haven't read it, so I, I don't know. Neither have I. Yeah, and, and I know the movie was a, people people didn't think it was a very good representation of of that, and he's got a good take on it, so. You know, I'll 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 watch anything he does. Um, but I think that this one in particular, it just there's so much care. Like a lot of stuff is really slapdash um, these days because movies get. You know, Ryan Reynolds said it famously about Green Lantern. You've got a poster and a release date before you got a script. You know, um, this is something he dedicated his time to. He it changed him as a human being during the making of it. Like if you can't feel this stuff then it's probably not for you. Like if you watch this and you don't feel any of this, if you don't feel the, you know, the the, the hands behind it and the care, um, like all the shots are so well composed. The scene where um, uh, uh, it's Abra um, kind of draws Rose into her mind and traps her. Oh, yeah. Um, and and is, is so well realized. It's not cartoonish at all. Um, you know, it plays with, with the kind of modern way that we can do things and, and view things, um, you know, with the, the special effects and everything. But the scene where she's just flying and then her body kind of slowly floats down to the right angle and then boom, she lands on an actual street in an actual town. Like it's not a set. Um, it's, it is a set, but it's, it's an actual location. And the blending of that stuff, like if you don't care about that, that whole shot is CG. And so is the street. Yeah. Yeah, it's also love like in the director's cut they have chapters like you know there's there's parlor tricks which is I think is the last one. Yeah, that that's right. Yeah, it's chapters the way that there's chapter headings in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I just I, <laughs> I love that because 
most of the time they actually mention what chapter like like there's there's going to be a scene where the scene references what chapter it's from yeah yeah and yeah it's just fun detail but also i i think i love this i like i watch the shining because of like the whole hype around it i, th- I think kubrick's actual true masterpiece is 2001 it will always be that because that film works on a on a on a very fundamental way where if you if you make a film and if it if it doesn't if it doesn't work without sound then there's probably something going wrong with it and that you can watch 2001 without sound and it all makes sense cuz i've done it i i reckon he's uh, this is this might be some people out there whose heads explode as well my favorite of his films i'm not saying it's his best film but my favorite is eyes wide shut i don't i don't disagree with that it is a beautifully made film so interesting i read the book last year there's a book called eyes wide open um and the uh i can't remember the writer but he was the it's basically his diary of writing the script with spielberg uh, spielberg with um whoops uh with kubrick um and it's really fascinating like how they put it together and it was kind of like a remake of this other film but they did a lot of different shit with it and made it modern and stuff that is hands down the best kidman performance you're ever going to see it's hands down the best Tom Cruise performance you're ever going to see. Um, yeah, I, I I dig that film a lot. Has more in common with The Shining than it does anything else he's done. Yeah, plus also, I don't think Tom Cruise will ever, at least in the age that we are in now, I don't think Tom Cruise will ever get a, get offered a role like that. No, he's 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 action man forever now. It's it's sort of too late. I think Eyes Wide Shut would have been a little bit after at least the first Mission Impossible. Or alternatively, he's going to age another 10 years and be in his 60s or whatever and someone's going to give him something huge and he's going to win an Academy Award. Yeah. Um, or- and, and at some point, if he doesn't, they're going to give him one of those honorary ones where it's like lifetime achievement kind of situation because he is he's the only real movie star we have left. Yeah, he's he's going to be like, like our generations, like Clint Eastwood. Probably, yeah. And probably a little, you know, shorter. <laughs> Clint Eastwood's a tall dude. Um, yes. Anyway, uh, talking about the Doctor Sleeps. Um, yeah, it just it's 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 practical nature. It's blending of of you know the 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 different ways that you can tell a story really seamlessly. Um, and it also the other thing that I like about it, in the same way that The Shining is, it's patient. It doesn't. It's not like, and we aren't. <laughs> <laughs> as a, as a, a people alive on planet earth now in the middle ground here we're not we're not patient at all we're fucking impatient as shit um because everything is so available you know you can get you can find out any piece of information about anything that you want right this second right now and so a three hour long meditative movie on addiction where you know it is represented wholly into itself but also represented by ghosts of the past and sins of the father and all that sort of shit People don't have the patience for something like that, and where and and you're missing out because it's meditative. You get you it seeps in like whenever I watch this movie, I can't do anything else. Like it is absolutely absorbing. The same way as when you watch The Shining. Try being on your phone while watching The Shining. It's impossible. <laughs> These fucking two girls pop up, and you shit a solid gold brick. <laughs> actually, like some sort of weird Easter bunny. I actually know those kinds of people that will just put on films and be on their fucking Instagram for four hours and say, what's the best movie ever made? 
Yeah, I mean, there, I mean, no judgment. There's a lot of um, second screeners out there, and it's I, I'm guilty of it too. Especially when you when I, when you run your own business, there's never there's no off hours. Like you've got to you got to be on the ball and all that stuff. But sometimes I am just going through and having a look at uh, what all my pals are doing. But um, more to the point, it's there, there's some things that just grab your attention. Like I would never do that doing Jaws. Yeah. You know? There's just things that require, like for me. Personally, I'm not saying that this is this. You know, you have to be this way. If you want to scroll on your phone until the cows come home, it's totally fine. There's an ad here at the moment in Australia. I don't know if you have it where you are, where it's a thumb. It's a, for a mobile phone company, and it's a thumb crawling up a crawling up Mount Everest, right? And it's like a human thumb crawling up the snow and stuff. It's fucking bloody odd and weird. It freaks me out every time. But apparently. I'm not sure if I'm getting the, the the data right, but either way, it's fucked up. Every like a person on the planet with a smartphone on planet Earth will scroll the height of Mount Everest every month. Okay. That's or it might be every month or it might be every year. I, I might maybe I misheard it, but either way, that's fucked up. Like either way, that if if it's a month, that's super fucked up. If it's a year, that's still pretty fucked up. You know, it should be a lifetime of scrolling, not not just that. So yeah, it's. That's kind of I get it. We don't live in a time where people could will sit down and 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 watch the sequel to The Shining, <laughs> and understand that it's the sequel to not only the film but also the book. Like it's yeah, it's a it's a big ask I think of people. Yeah, I think why I love this like a lot, especially now, is it's it's this. I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's the same reason why I love The Last Jedi it's because. Oh, you whatever you love women and other aliens. Yes, I do. You, you racist, <laughs> and you like spaceships and pew pew and scrolls. You love a fucking scroll, you wanker. Like, <laughs> like a coffee scroll. Both Dan and Luke go on this. It's a weird parallel. I know. I'll stop after this, but no, no that's fine. Go on this one film arc that changes them forever, and it's like. You start off the film and, you know, Dan has shut off his shine. He's like, even, even when, like, what's, what's the cook's name? I forgot. Dick, Dick Holleran. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, so what about Dick? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Hang on. So Dick Holleran. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Dick, Dick Holleran can't be it. That sounds like someone going, Dick, I'm Dick. I'm hollering dick. Yeah. And like when, when he shut off the shine, he still appears, but it's like it's like all blurred out. Like when he first appears in like that woman's apartment, it's all blurred out to adult Dan. Like he goes through the cycle and like through this journey of like recovery and that like the whole segment of him working at the hospice and going to going to the patients where the cat sits, it, it hit me very hard. Mm, mm. and yeah it's sorry go ahead nah you go ahead the hospice stuff is is amazing because it's all of a sudden it becomes a superhero you know like that's that's a superpower to be able to ease someone into the afterlife like where he's you know saying can you can you taste the pie and he's like yeah i can and i can hear frank on your old radio and they sing come fly with me together like what a beautiful thing i mean death is it's the ultimate unknown, isn't it? There's no way of knowing. Even even if you are the most 
religious person on earth and you think you have the answer for it or if you're not religious if you just think you have the answer for it or if you don't care if you just think we go nowhere nothingness is terrifying you know the lack of consciousness you have you no know, frame of reference for that at all um so it's of course it would be terrifying and it's also that it's alan watts the the, the philosopher says it about well, he's not a philosopher but he, he he's a, a guy who used to do lectures on Taoism and, and mindfulness and all that stuff in the 1960s and 1970s he's long long passed away now but his son runs a podcast called um being in the way i think it is and it's just recordings of his old sessions and one of them that he was talking about is um when, when you die it's not a big deal it's like you just you're dead that's it you know good night um it's not a big deal what's the big deal about is it that you're dragging a past with you you know so you've got all these experiences all these all these memories all these relationships all this stuff you know that that defines you as you that that you, that's all got to go and it's terrifying and that's what it is it's not like we're not going to know any better on the other side but to be able to ease somebody into that idea of the other place if there is one or if there isn't what an amazing like if i could have a superpower it might be that you know it's it's what what a beautiful thing for and a beautiful way for him to use his ability, um, you know, and 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 a pussy cat as well, which is great. Yeah, I love that cat. I knew I knew you would. I knew you would. Oh, mate, I love putty tats. They're the best. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of reminded me of Snowball from the Stuart Little films. That's a oh my god, that's a reference. Yeah, man, deep cut, <laughs> Stuart Little. My God, that's that's some. That was written by M. Night Shyamalan. And then, like, by, like at the end of that arc, he he has, like, Dick Harlan comes to him in his dream, and he says, "This, this is this is my last dream," and he and he tells he tells him to help Abra. Mm. Fuck, we haven't even talked talked about how amazing Abra's character is because fuck. yeah, yeah, she's right. We'll we'll get into her. We'll get into her. But yeah, Dan's amazing. His whole arc, especially at the end, where I, I, I started, I started crying when, when I realized when he gave, when he gave the speech of like him and his father, and then I, I cried the second time when he was doing all the hospice stuff, and then I cried at the end when he says "Shine on," because it's, it's, it's him like dreaming for Abra, and it's just yeah, like. Abra gave him a purpose, but she all like it was it was him trying to do all the best that he could that he couldn't do before. Right? He was, he was trying to be the best version of himself. Shaped by, you know, Dick and now helping helping this young girl shine. And he and he he, he tells her not to shine when, when she first meets him. Yeah. And then he's like, just hide it away. Yeah. You don't want these people after you, kind of thing. Yeah. He's saying what he wanted to hear on both ends of the spectrum. You know, he's talking to himself in a lot of ways. And it's testament to the the endurance, the emotional endurance of the character that after, you know, getting like uh, the traversing the landscape that can be sobriety after, you know, a long time under the thumb of whatever it is. Um, yeah, to do that and then also take up the charge of shepherding a young person into into like steering them away from where you ended up um and to have that have meaning and 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 to give her purpose because she's you know the thing about her is is she's probably the most powerful 
person, person to the shine. Yeah. You know, she just she she has power that the true knot can't even understand, um, and 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 that's why they want her. You know, they they think they could feed off her for years and years, um, and that's another thing too, like the fear of death in an immortal is 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 interesting. You know, it's there's this. It's almost a bigger fear um, because you've had so much. You could never like the more of something that you get, the more of it you want. As like I was saying before, but if life, if you lived a thousand years, why the fuck would you want to not live another thousand? Why would you be like, no, I'm good? Like everybody talks about that. Like, oh, you'd have to watch all your friends dying. You'd have to, you know, your family, and you'd see the world change and blah blah blah. blah. I think after a while, it'd probably get addictive. Like the guy in Sandman. And he's like, I fucking love it. I fucking love being immortal. Like, you know, that's. I think that would be the way people would go more than anything. But that's also like a very optimistic way to look at it, right? Like he, he's not a, he's not a bad like that. That person is not a bad person, right? When he gets the gift of immort- immortality, he loves it because he can see all these things change, right? And he can reflect on his life, of where he began and where he is now. The true knot is not like that. They don't want to rule everything. But they're also like feeding on, on like kids, man. They just want to get, yeah. That that's the thing. That's what makes them villainous. Like if it was just whatever, whatever, like you'd probably forgive it. But because it's specifically children, like they're they're child murderers. That's and that's king for you, man. Like he knows how to twist it. Um, and I think with Abra, the the most tragic thing about her is that she tastes a little bit of what Dan has to deal with. Like her father gets murdered, and 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 unceremoniously off screen no less oh, no, or no maybe you see it in no you don't no, see you it don't see it. Cut. yeah you crow just turns yeah. up and you see the body yeah um and then and to have parents who don't understand it don't understand you and what you're dealing with and yet support you you know that's also a great message for for anybody who feels like they're different and that can be if you can read people's fucking minds or you know make ghosts go into little boxes you build in your head or if you're just trying to figure it out um yeah this there's so much going on here we could do a show for like minute by minute and break it all down um but we don't have that kind of time and probably neither do you but yeah i mean like the whole I'm very, very interested in what the the prequel True Not show would have been, because I would have loved that. Like, like having having like this kind of origin of this, like maybe there's this one person who figured out what it was, and then that's that's where the change started, and like seeing how that one person got to that point. Just the ideas that. I, I think it would have been interesting to kind of see it over different periods as well yeah. and, and see how maybe it started as something more pure and what where they came from as well. Like there's no explanation as to like, like what they're supernatural. They're, yeah. yeah, they're supernatural beings, but why? Like are they, and, and they, get, they get turned as well the same way that vampires do, but who was the first one? Exactly. You know, like, is, there a, is there an age, a, 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 a patient zero kind of situation, which is probably what it would have been. Um you know, maybe an anthology kind of situation where you see different stories over time or if it's, you know, that the process of like one person comes in and you, you're following them as they slowly become less and less. Uh, uh, uh. Like there was a TV show that came out um, years ago. Or I suppose it's kind of like Interview with a Vampire where like Louis becomes a vampire unwittingly and kind of and hates it at first and then just kind of deals with it after a while. He's like, yeah, you've got to, you got to eat people. 
that's what's up you know like he's like no i'm gonna eat rats all the time tom cruise is like oh you're a fucking shit eat um come on let's go and be gay together and then and then he's like no i don't want to i want to just you know hang out and eat rats and then after a while he's like yeah that sounds good let's do let's do all that stuff that you said because it's you know much more pleasurable and easy um but yeah there was a tv show called kindred years and years and years ago it was you know in the 90s or something and it was basically that it was like um a, a palace intrigue and, and and vampire politics um so maybe it'd be sort of like that but but they're all kind of they're like hippies as well like i like the idea that she's kind of got rose the hat's kind of got stuff from each all different time periods all over it like she dresses like a hippie total babe but like the 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 and that's not i'm not objectifying her She's a total babe. There's nothing, nothing to be said about it. So is, so is my fucking Dan. Like, yeah. what, a, what, a, what a dish, you know? Um, it's, it's yeah, everybody's beautiful. But, yeah, that kind of goes on. And it would have been really interesting to see what that path would have been. And if Rebecca Ferguson had to come back. Abra series would be good if she was now older. Oh, yeah. Like, re- recast as, a, as an adult and, and, and have her be using her powers for good. Yeah, or, like, not recast it. Have it the same actor, just, like, make it, like, fifth, like what, now, five years more after this. Yeah, they could do it now, yeah. Just call it Shine. Yeah. And and, and, and she's out there, you know. It's like this X-Men kind of thing where she, like, reaches out to everyone. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It would be pretty dope. Come on, Mike Flanagan, give us a call. Let's let's just talk about Mike for a sec before we before we kind of start wrapping up. Um, yeah, like I said before, a really uh, uh, he he's not going to take something on if he can't find the hook, if he can't find something he cares about. Like it would have been really easy for him to say yes to anything else, um, as opposed to what would be a really really difficult. Like not only that, but re- rewriting Akiva Goldsmith as well. Like, Akiva Goldsmith hasn't all of his movies aren't great or anything. But he's an amazing writer. Um, there's no doubt about it, you know, um, to do that, to take this on and then to also um, be doing it in tandem with with uh, a Hill House and then Blythe Manor as well. Um, yeah, he's he's he clearly lives in this genre. He finds stuff inside of it the same way that Stephen King does that is like un- invariably human, no matter how inhuman or super supernatural or whatever it gets. The core of it is emotion and they're human emotions because that's what we understand. Um, as far as like genre kind of people, I mean, there, there are people who believe that everything he does is he's just like, you know, Mike Flanagan, everything he does is great. And there's some people who think that it's just whatever, whatever. But if you're a fan, you're kind of a diehard fan. There's not a lot of middle ground. Um, and I'm, I'm not all the way here yet because I've only really seen this and uh, Hill House, but, you know, that's a, that's a damn good start. And I'm really excited for the fall of the House of Usher. He uses all the same cast as well, like yeah. a lot of the time. You know, the guy who plays what would have been the Jack Nicholson role in this is the dad from Hill House, who's also the little boy from E.T. Yeah, he's also what? he's he's also in Bly Manor and he's also yeah. he's also in Midnight Mass. I th- yeah. I think you might yeah. like like from our conversation, I think you'd like Midnight Mass more because there's a theme of what happens when you die. Well, that's that's the thing, isn't it? You know, like it's it's. Uh, Midnight Mass is very quick ground. because it's it starts off and like there's shit happening immediately. But I think I think you like it because of like all the themes. So I can't, I can't get to I can't wait to get to it. Yeah, well that that'll be a couple of weeks time because we'll do next week we'll do um we'll do Hill House and come back for that everyone. Um, 
but yeah, final final thoughts on on Doctor Sleep. I'd, I'd really recommend it if you can get a hold of the fucking director's cut. Do it because it's 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 not more of a sit. Like you don't feel more of the time. It's just there's more stuff going on. You understand more. Um, you know the threads kind of connect even better. Um, the, the the theatrical cut's fine, but yeah, I'm I'm a kind of a completist. Um, so I dig that. Or go to the Asta on I think it's next Thursday, so October the whenever the fuck it is. I don't know. If you're in Melbourne and you know you know what the Asta is, have a look. It's 2023. You'll figure it out in October. Um, and check it out with The Shining. Or hell, if you really want to watch a director's cut and you don't don't have a way to watch it, get in touch with me and I'll send it to you. There you go. That's a big ask. Just one copy he's got. So best dressed. <laughs> Like first in best dressed, um, uh, so whoever gets that, that'd be a little giveaway prize on the on the podcast there. Um, but then again, you're probably sharing a file, aren't you? You cheeky are. Hey, I be Addy. <laughs> I've got all sorts of movies for this, you. Is the pirate returning? I've got I no, he's a different one. This is you as a pirate. <laughs> Hello, I be Addy. I like the pirate movies. I get him off Pirate Bay, which is where I park me boat. <laughs> they don't, you don't see park when it's a boat. <laughs> you see dock. Where do I where do I make birth? I make birth in a place where I also pirate DVDs. <laughs> you wouldn't steal a car. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> he took over for a second. It was it was it was I was possessed. It was like when Dan took over Abba in the car. Okay, here oh, we go. God. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful film. Um, it, it, it's it's beautifully layered. There's so much going on. Uh, it's it, it's a joyful experience to watch it. Um, and it's just a good it's just a good movie as well. On on top of being all of those things, it's just really well put together. So that's it, folks. That's we're, we're talking about the, the 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 Doctor Sleeps this week, and then next week we're going to talk about Hill House, and then the following week. We're going to talk about Midnight Mass. And the following week, we're going to talk about The Shining. And I know that Mike Flanagan didn't do The Shining, but it's just a nice little bookend for the spooky season and that we all love so much. Um, Addy, are you, do you have any like spooky film recommendations that you'd like to throw out to the people before we get to questions? Like on you know maybe in the vein of a Doctor Sleep or just horror movies you like to go back to at this period of time? Like give me three. In the vein of Doctor Sleep, probably would be Hill House. That's a that's a good watch. Like give it, yeah, give, gotta, gotta watch yeah. it house. Give it a month, let it soak in, and then it'll make you cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's very emotional, very powerful, but also scary as shit. Like, yeah. Um, like I had some lights on when I was watching that, and I'm a fully grown man. Um, any anything else? Like any other movies? What was the one that you saw recently? You uh, said you really did. Uh, talk to me. Talk to me. Yes, yes. Which I believe is now on digital as well. I'm not sure, but yeah, if you get a chance to watch it. That's good. Like, if you just want, like, because we live in a world where where people like to watch horror movies just for the scares. Nothing, nothing against that. Uh, the Conjuring movies are all fun. Watch them. Uh, yeah, I think I still want to recommend Skin and Ring, but I know people will not watch it because it's it's not. It's just it's not for people. That's not for people. Okay, it's for orcs and fishmen. Is it? Is that what goes on? <laughs> I dude, I don't know. It's it's something like the reason why Skinamarink is scary is because it's it's all darkness and sound and your mind takes over and that's the, mm. like it's all imaginative horror. 
Yep. Yep. Um, Best kind too. But yeah. Also, please, we, we please, don't see. It. Yeah. If anyone tells you to watch found footage films, well, just watch the first uh, paranormal activity film because all of all of the sequels to it suck. Right. Mm. The, I watched the Blair Witch as well, which I forgot to talk about. That sucked too. I don't know why. It just did. It, it didn't mesh well. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, that was that was the progenitor of all it those was, things. Yeah. You know, like it was almost the beginning of a new genre. Like it was the first new genre since um, the mockumentary, um, and it really did break ground on that shit. And there's a lot of stuff that we wouldn't have now that you know if that was the case, particularly in the horror genre. The thing about horror that's really interesting, or these kind of movies, um, Doctor Sleep's probably not a good example of it, but the films like the short, the Saw franchises, like ten of those motherfuckers now. It's cheap, it's cheap, and people go out to see it. Look at the Nun. Look at look at look at the Dark Nun Rises. It is doing so well at the cinema. <laughs> Sorry, Nun begins. Um, because people dig this this genre, people like being frightened. People like to have horror movies, you know, where the where the the, the, the villains are more popular than the heroes. Like name a name a horror franchise and tell me who the fucking lead character is, the lead protagonist is. Generally, Ed and Ed and Lauren Warren from The Conjuring. Well, there you go. But if you say The Conjuring to someone, they don't immediately think of those two. Or if you say you just have Friday the Thirteenth, you don't think Jay. You don't think who who the fucks in those movies. You think Jason. You say Halloween, you think um, uh, Mike Myers, Nightmare on Elm Street, you think Freddy. Like these these things that scare us become part of our identity, and it's totally fine. It's a really great way to release endorphins and to, you know, cuddle up with with someone. You know, you go Ooh, a little bit scared together, and it's it's a beautiful thing. Like, and and it's also it could be cathartic because we don't. It's not things that we deal with in regular life. And there's different versions of it too. There's this, there's psychological stuff and then the shining. Then you've got the big sort of, you know, crazy hokey stuff like like a nightmare on Elm Street or a, a series that's really great, Wishmaster. Wishmaster is fucking batshit crazy, but the prosthetic work in it is really great. It's really fun and silly. Um, it's really poorly acted as well, which just kind of makes it fun too. Um, you know, and then you've got really, you know, deep, deep stuff. Like I would call The Lighthouse a horror picture. Yeah. I was, I was gonna go there too. The witch as well. The witch, absolutely. Um, you know, Wait, I, if you if you don't want to sleep, watch the Hereditary and Midsummer double feature. Yeah, yeah, like um, what they call elevated horror now. You know, and then you've got great slasher pictures like the Scream franchise, or I know what you did last summer. Like this stuff, some of the '90s stuff's great. The Faculty's really good. Like just get out there and, and get some spooky films into you and just enjoy this season that everybody forgets about because Halloween's not really a thing. It, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. That's me thinking from an Australian context. Here, you don't do that. I don't have trick-or-treaters turn up. You do if you live in suburbs, but I, I'm not really in a suburb, but I'm sort of in a like a more rural area. So we don't have people turn up, knock, 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 where's your candy? Um, and if they did, I just punch them in the head and <laughs> and steal their souls out of their body. Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, it's but it's a great time. My brother-in-law, bless his heart, uh, he does his house up every year. He's got mannequins and this, and they've got candy, and he dresses up, and it's just he really digs it. There's something about it that he really loves, and 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 I I love that so much because we we forget about it. We just you know, in middle of the year happens, and blah blah blah, they get to October and whatever, and then everyone's waiting for Christmas. No, fucking dig in, dig your heels in, and 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 watch some horror. Watch Halloween. 1978 fucking go and do it right now watch the lighthouse 
uh, from, what was it, like 2019 uh, or something? 2019, yeah. Yeah, it was... Um, uh, uh, Robert Eggers? Yes, thank you. At, who, who also directed The Witch. Um, and and uh, was he, did he direct The Witch? Yeah, he did. And he also did The Northman, I believe. Northman, which is a fucking yeah. really good movie. You should just check that out anyway. But um, yes, watch that. And uh, what's it? What's another one? Yeah, watch which watch watch Wishmaster two because there is a scene in it where an evil jinn overhears someone say that he wish his lawyer would go fuck himself, and then you see that lawyer, his body like misshapes, distorts, and he fucks his own self in the bum. You've never seen anything like it, I guarantee. But get out there, have some laughs, have some squeals, have some candy, and just enjoy yourselves. Mm-hmm. Spooky month. I love it. Wait for it every year. I started last night with, with Lost Boys. Uh, tonight, I'm going to watch um, The Exorcist. Um, getting into that. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a good month. Exorcist director's cut? I don't know what's available. I'm not sure. I, I have It's on Paramount Plus. Plus? Paramount Plus is um, where you get you need to get ointment for it. No, uh, <laughs> Paramount Plus, uh, yeah, has has a version of it. I don't know if it's a director's cut though. Because we why more pea soup or uh, we have the extended director's cut running in theaters here. Yeah, they're doing a, a retro of it at the Astor as well. Like, probably director's cut because William Friedkin died at the end of last year, and they did a no, it was this year, and they did a like one well, of the first times they've ever screened fucking Sorcerer, um, at that well, the return of it because it was you know such a good movie. Sorcerer is kind of a horror movie too, actually. It's not about a sorcerer. It's about people who um, uh, are tasked with um, nitroglycerin from like this mountain range down to a place where there's a big oil fire. But it's the it's um, the nitroglycerin's gone bad, so that it can't, you can't move it or it'll explode. And it's like these two trucks, and it's really fucking good anyway. Sorcerer, William Freakin picture. Um, yeah. Anyway. I really do feel like I've been talking a mile a minute. I'm sorry, folks. It's all right. But then again, I guess, I guess that's why you come. <laughs> uh, so do we have any questions this week? Uh, we do. I also have two more recommendations for like Spooky Month. Oh, good. Good. If you want just yep. entertainment horror, watch the Ghostbusters movies because those are amazing. Oh, man. You forgot that. I'm, I'm surprised you forgot that. Why don't I do that? Because they're only horror to me when I was a kid. Like the opening scene of the first one in the library where the woman goes, shh, and then turns into the thing. And they're... Fucking amazing. But um, yeah, they're, they're, they're a good rewatch any time of the year. Ghostbusters is like one of our top five favorite films. And the next one is if you want experimental fantasy horror, watch um, The Green Knight, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really good call. There's a tree man, which is all prosthetic. I love tree men. Uh, I love tree men and fish men and all sorts of stuff. Oh, and also go back to the old stuff as well, like hammer horror shit. Like um, Dracula 38 or the original Frankenstein. Or my favorite is The Creature from the Black Lagoon. So fucking good. Um, I, I think I said Lagoon wrong then, but that's okay. It's, it's yeah, it's brilliant. Just go back and enjoy some of that that goofy shit too. Or Plan 9 from Outer Space, like the Ed Wood pictures that are really bad. Like just, you know, dip your toe in the water and you'll, it's fine. It's beautiful. So no more recommendations? No, that's it? yeah, that's all. Right on. Let's get to some questions. Question number the first. You you need a new lamp. I do. It's it's fucking broken. (laughs) 
thing goes out almost every record. And all of a sudden, I feel like I'm doing a podcast with someone who's in witness protection. (laughs) So what are these questions, these? Number one, most interesting place you've ever slept. Who is writing in these questions? Like, if poop last week, now it's slept. Um, Most interesting place I've ever slept. Oh, I'd say odd if not interesting. Most odd place I've ever slept. Okay. Yeah, sometimes you forget you're on the, on the pot and you just sleep. And then in your dream, you're going through the day. And then something happens and wakes you up and, oh, fuck. I haven't shat yet. <laughs> I haven't sharted. My God. This podcast is going down a very strange, strange path. And I don't mean this episode. I mean the entire series. Um, I'm trying to think, funnily enough, of like my drinking days. I mean, people's like just places I didn't know who owned the house and stuff. You just you, you you sort of go looking for a party sometimes, and you just find one, and 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 you know you get well into the duty free, and and that's the night. And then all of a sudden you wake up on a couch surrounded by a bunch of people you don't know. It's like not anything specific. There's probably outdoors or something, but not not like it would have been intentional. I didn't like wake up and be like, "Boo, what happened?" Why not? I must tell you, my friend once woke up. Um, uh, uh, with a shirt on that wasn't his, and <laughs> and and he he had he'd gotten you know out drinking, and he ran home um, because he was being chased by a car full of dudes who wanted to fuck him up or whatever I don't know steal his lunch money or whatever it was, and he ran through a bunch of fences like over the backyards of people's houses whatever, and I was like well he's clearly run through someone's clothesline, yeah, but but the shirt was buttoned up. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, oh, it's mine now. There is the rule: if you borrow an article of clothing off someone, it looks better on you. You get to keep it. So it's kind of, you know, that's 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 the, the common law for you and yours. Thanks to Kevin Pollock. Um, and the other one was a friend of mine woke up with um like two hot dogs stuck to his back in the bun. Oh, <laughs> and he, that's horrible. That he doesn't remember buying. That was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, nothing specific. Just like waking up in in places where I didn't. I didn't know how I'd got there, like that that party, like when did we arrive here, kind of thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about it. I'll tell you about a, a sleeping situation that sucks balls, mate. Last night I was so cold in bed. Every time I woke up, I had what can only be described as a napkin worth of doona on my poor little shoulders. And there's my, my, my beautiful future wife next to me, bundled up like a human burrito in all of the doona. And I just couldn't get her to give me any. Like, I just couldn't get any purchase. This morning I woke up. I got up before her, made coffee and came back down to sit in the bed. And I, I went over to her side of the bed. And on her side of the bed, half of the doona was hanging off the bed. And I, I tapped her on the shoulder and woke her up and shook it in her face and was like, what are you doing? I've got fucking panicles over here. And you're fucking, you know, wrapped up like some sort of delicious dessert. You know, like a roll-up. Um, but it was... And she was like, I'm sorry. I, I knew that. I knew too. I kept trying to give it to you. I'm like, well, you fucking failed. All right? I didn't get any. Oh, I love you, Emily. Anyway, what's the second question? I forgot we were doing questions. Me too. What's the weirdest dream you've ever had? Oh, that's... That's huge. That's huge. There's so many. My, my subconscious is really hyperactive. You know, I could tell. I had, a, I had a crazy one last night. I, I had there's a, there's a band that we produce um, at, at the studio um, that I run or that I own rather. Dan runs it, but um, it's part of our company. 
and we produce a band there, a um, bunch of young guys. The band's called Icky Sitch. They're actually really good. Like I, I really like their music. Um, to get a chance to listen to them, um, yeah, Australian band from the Peninsula, and just a bunch of young guys, and they're all really lovely. One of them, Finn, the lead singer, is a real dude, and we had some good chats. And for some reason, I had a dream that he turned up to my house with a bunch of guys wanting to kick my ass for some reason. But also all the trees in the front yard were falling down at the same time while we were trying to like to have this fight. It was like a fucking street fighter level or whatever. And that was it. If you're listening, Finn, I've no hard feelings, mate. I, I know you didn't dream want to beat me up. I can't top that. Okay, what's the last question then? Um, what film from a different era would be interesting to see in a continuation in the world someday? Oh, okay. So like... How the sh- how Doctor Sleep is a is a sequel to The Shining sort of, and it's quite a quite a long period of time between the two. I have one, but I don't want to say why. Because I'll, I'll say it, but like I'm also working on it. It's not fair. Oh, okay. What well, you didn't have to say that part about it, shit. Um, I'll say John Carter. Okay. Like, but like, as in as in like a series. So like the first season is pre the things that happen in john carter the movie you mean. and then like yeah the movie and then like like the other seasons would be part of what like part of what happened in the film and then after it because john carter was a civil war veteran who was then tran- like transported to another planet without him knowing and that was like the whole transportation thing was was a cult that was that was from mars but also had like a falling on earth none of that in the film so yeah yeah, yeah, no, they they did miss a lot. I I did kind of like that film though, but we'll, we'll, that's the, that's how um forever stay tuned. Like eventually we'll do we'll do an episode on that. Um, mine's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, that would be awesome. Although, like Beyond the Spider Verse would be in that sense, though, right? Well, I, no, I would like to see it as in the same context and everything, and and done the same way, like so that it's live action and and that. I'm not saying you should do this because we shouldn't remake it anyway. You should try and do a sequel. The guy who does Robert, uh, I think the guy who does um, uh, Roger's voice is still alive. You would get him back. Um, and uh, I know Bob Hoskins has passed away. You just write in the fact that that um, Bob Hoskins' character, um, Eddie Valant, has passed away and Roger's taken over as like running his detective agency. Um, and, in, you know, it's like who framed Roger Rabbit 2, T-O-O or something like that, you know? Um, it'd be interesting to see that that character as an older rabbit, you know, maybe he's kind of a bit grizzled himself and, and, and all that kind of stuff and, and has to, you know, leave Toontown for whatever reason and go and live in the real world. And yeah, I just, I, I think that would be a cool, you know, cool thing to see. Yeah, that'd be fun. It'd be basically like Black Sad, which is, which is a, a, a bunch of graphic novels, which is sort of like a detective story, but it's all, all, the, all the characters are animals. Like Black Sad is a cat. Like he's, you know, trench coat and like stands upright and has hands like a human and all that stuff, but he's got a little cat head and there's all these like jazz musicians who are all elephants and it's it's really cool. If you see Black Sad, it's 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 well worth your time. That's it, folks. That's um that's the the episode called uh, Flanagan's Fright Fest Part One Sleep Study. Um, we hope you enjoyed it, and uh, I do like the funny thing. I'm talking about him a lot because I've been you know I've been talking to him a lot. Uh, Tommy from the podcast Simple Podcast was like he loves how our uh, our episode titles are like puns usually or jokes. Yeah. Um, that was really good. So I'm going to continue to do it. Uh, as I said, sleep study. Hope you enjoyed it. Do go out and see the film if you get a chance to watch the director's cut and just watch some horror movies. Treat yourself this spooky season. And um, we'll see you next time. We're going to be talking about Hill House, some more uh, uh, Flanagan's Fright Fest, 
part two. Um, but until then, Addy, I cherish you. Love you. I love you, buddy. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. Um, and I'm so happy to be here. Sorry again about the delay, everybody, but we'll get it out. We'll get it out and you'll be watching Dr. Sleep before you know it. Stay amazing, stay safe, and shine on. Mm-hmm.